You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. This is Joe Goldberg. This is Kristen Heflin, and you're listening to the Earn and Invest podcast. So, you used to be a doctor. When she said it, I almost caught my breath because she used the word used to. And see, I had come to this camp to build up my courage. And the reason why is I had been practicing as a physician for almost 20 years and I was burned out and I no longer identified with my career. I no longer identified with that lifestyle I had delved into the financial independence world and realized that I had enough money and that I didn't need to be a doctor anymore if I didn't want to. But the realization was different from the act of leaving my career. Just having the realization didn't give me the strength nor the courage to move forward. So when I came to this camp, my hope above hope was that I could find some like-minded people to talk about what to do with my life, how to step away from this identity, and what I should do with the rest of my time. A few days later, I left a new person. You see, I used to be a physician, but now I was a communicator. Now I was someone who was a blogger, maybe one day a podcaster, a guy who liked to do public speaking, I was so many more things than the career that I had used to build my wealth. But I never would have had the courage to face that unless I went to that camp. So my question is, how about you? What dreams are you holding back? And if you could go to a camp and learn to have the courage to achieve them, would you? And speaking of dreams... In 2020, I think many of us did a lot of self-reflection. One topic that has really serviced post-2020 is giving back. How can we make a difference in someone else's life, and is it possible to do good for others while actually making money? I'm really glad to share with you that our new partner, Equity & Help Literally Well, helps you do exactly that. Equity & Help grows your capital while helping others and shows how a simple act of investing can make a huge difference to American families. Over 50% of Americans spend more than half their earnings on rent payments, so what Equity & Help has done is build an investment model to shrink this number. The mission of Equity & Help is to give families the realization of the American dream to own a home of their own when they might otherwise have not been able to. 
To learn more, visit equityandhelp.com slash podcast. Again, that's equityandhelp.com slash podcast. Joel Goldberg and Kristen Heflin are avowed mustachians and the creators and producers of Camp Mustache, a yearly retreat for fans of the Mr. Money Mustache blog and folks interested in early retirement and financial independence. Joe and Kristen, welcome to the show. Nice Hi, to be good here. to be here. I am so happy to be here. I am going to throw a really hard question at you, Joe, to start. What the heck is a mustachian, first and foremost? Oh, yeah, that, that's a good one. And I don't know if I'm qualified to answer that, but I'll give you my take. Mustachianism is sort of a subgenre of the fire movement, perhaps even one of the original types of fire people that really believe in low spending, spending consciously, the environmental movement. So it's big on bike riding and limiting consumption and being very deliberate about spending and investing so that one can cut their period of their life where they need to make an earning down to as little as five to 10 years, maybe 15 for others, depending on your path or your journey. But it's about really inspecting your behavior and your lifestyle choices very deliberately and getting them in line with your values and saving a lot of money in the process. So when we're talking about FIRE, we're talking about the Financial Independence Retire Early Movement. And I would look at Camp Mustache as almost a festival that celebrates that. But like you said, also some bit of minimalism, some environmentalism. I want to get to the nuts and bolts about what Camp Mustache is about, as well as the theory behind it. But before I do, Kristen, My intro story talks about how a camp changed my life. You've been helping run Camp Mustache for a number of years. Tell me a story or two about how people's lives are changed by showing up at this event. People come to the camp with sort of like a half idea of what they want to do. And then when they're talking to other people and getting a collection of stories from people that they're meeting, it helps kind of put the ideas into it forms their own ideas so like somebody didn't really understand the idea of semi-fire and he was ready to semi-fire by the time he left camp and so I think that just having everybody together that's comfortable speaking about money matters it really is a way to open up your mind Yeah, you talk about this idea of semi-fire. For a lot of people interested in financial independence, they don't even know that there's such thing as semi-fire. What I found that when I went to a camp, I had one idea and my trajectory was changed. It sounds like, Kristen, people come and make life changes after they leave this camp. Yes, that's right. There was one attendee that was working in New York and he had a really high tech job. And then he left to go pursue his passion for creating a musical. Yeah, that that's a big change. And that's similar to my change of, of leaving medicine or mostly leaving medicine to pursue more of life of communication and podcasting and blogging. One thing we do is we have a session called, can I retire now? And people will present their financial picture and the rest of the audience, you know, anybody can can chime in and say, 
hey, I, I think you're ready to retire. Or, you know, if you make the following few changes, you could semi-retire or barista fire, which means like take a take a low paying job, you know, and, you know, get off the, the nine to five treadmill. And the, the beauty of Camp Mustache is that those are things you can't really Google. You're, you're not going to be able to find that online. There's a wealth of information on how to invest and how to cut down on your expenses. That's very generic and broadly applicable and is a great way to start off and, and learn and grow and, and progress on your financial independence journey. But if you want something really personal where people are helping you be you, it's really hard to get that online, even from a, a online forums. And that was one of the reasons we started Camp Mustache was to really make it personal. There's like different types of learners out there. And so, for example, I can read blogs and learn that way. But in order to really personalize my learning, it helps to run ideas by other people in person. Joe, talk about that idea a little more and the genesis of Camp Mustache. I feel like the camp was really built on an online platform, right? People who are following Mr. Money Mustache's blog. What gave you the idea to actually start these in-person meetings? Yeah, this started maybe about eight years ago. Mr. Money Mustache went to a Chautauqua in Central America, which is essentially like a camp mustache where people get together and they discuss their finances and they learn from each other and get re-energized to continue on their journey of financial independence. And he got back and he wrote a really, really eloquent blog post about how moving it was and how energizing it was and how he wanted to replicate this in the United States in a sort of local fashion throughout the country and make it more accessible to people who couldn't afford travel down to Central America with the airfare and you know the, the whatever the the lodging was and so I read this blog post and my first thought was this is so great I can't wait for Mr. Money Mustache to uh, kick off the Pacific Northwest version of his idea. And my second thought was, why do I need to wait for Mr. Money Mustache to do this? Like, I don't, I don't need anyone's permission to start something like this. And who knows how long it would take him to do it if, uh, if he gets it off the ground and who knows when he's going to come to the Pacific Northwest. So I'm going to do this. So I went to the Mr. Money Mustache forums and I just announced like, hey, uh, did you see that last blog post? I want to make this happen. Is there anyone else in the Pacific Northwest that wants to do the Pacific Northwest version? I hadn't even run it by Mr. Money Mustache at the time. And so Kristen replied and another person who ended up becoming a really close friend of ours who helped us get this off the ground, Emma, you know, she replied as well. And then the three of us got together and we said, let's do this. None of us had event planning experience. None of us were you know, mustachian or fire gurus. We, we really had no like qualifications to do this. We just decided we were going to do it. And we put a plan together and we like nervously decided like, okay, it's fleshed out enough that we want to run this by Mr. Money Mustache. We really wanted to know like, A, can we call it Camp Mustache and use his branding? And B, will you show up to the first one? You know, will you trek halfway across the country for this like unproven group of people? And he said yes to both. And yeah, he, he came to the to the first one. The first one, by the way, was a mess. 
if listeners are listening to this <laughs> and they either were at the first one or they have some vision in their minds of what a camp mustache is like. The first one, like, like I said, we had no idea what we were doing. Kristen and I, we spent most of the weekend washing dishes because of the snafu with the like food and catering planning, you know, and now we look back on it and laugh because we've just, we've learned so much from that first year. Kristen, what Joe says, I, I have a lot of questions coming from that, but let's start with the most basic. Pete Aideny is Mr. Money Mustache. What role does he play in Camp Mustache from year to year? Well, let's see. He likes to come and he doesn't really run any groups. He, he likes to kind of sit in the back of the room and listen to everybody's ideas. And he's actually more quiet than I thought he would be. Uh, he's different than he presents himself in his blog. He's more like, I would say humble on the last day where everybody gets to ask him questions. And that's probably the biggest role he has at the event. So Joe and I were surprised because we sort of found that we weren't learning a lot from Mr. Money Mustache at the event. We were actually getting more out of meeting each other and learning from a variety of different people. One of the values of Camp Mustache is not-for-profit, not-for-profit. And it doesn't make sense until you look at it. It's the two different spellings of the word profit. The idea is that we're not here to make money from Camp Mustache. It's something we do because we're passionate about bringing people together. So that's the profit, the financial version. And the other version of profit, not for profit, is like, don't come to Camp Mustache to meet Pete or to meet big name bloggers. Because like Kristen said, everyone's going to learn from everybody else. And if you come just to meet one or two famous people, you're, you're just limiting your ability to learn from everybody. Kristen, it's an interesting point. My first camp experience, one of the reasons I went is because there was a famous physician blogger I knew who was going to be there. But interestingly enough, probably some of the closest relationships I had and the most I learned was from other camp goers like me. From the beginning of Camp Mustache, had you planned it that it would be more the campers who would be teaching each other as opposed to having some central figure or figures that were hired to teach them? Actually, no, we thought that at first, like the first couple camp mustaches, we would try to get big name people to come to the event to draw the other people. And then we, one year we had a panel and we realized that it was kind of like putting bloggers on a pedestal and we wanted to make it more equitable and because everybody has something to contribute. Joe, talk a little more about how Camp Mustache has evolved. So obviously, that first one, you're doing dishes, you're thinking about panels of bloggers, et cetera. What has it turned into over these eight seasons? Yeah, I think there's been a few pivotal moments. The first year was one where we just were working out the kinks in the process. Kristen just described the second one, where we had kind of built up this stable of big name bloggers who we would you know, invite them for free. And I think at the time it was the right decision. We kind of needed to build momentum and publicity for the event. And what better way to do it than these people who can draw, you know, big crowds. And eventually, like Kristen said, we kind of noticed that A, it wasn't necessary anymore. The camp was sort of standing on its own two legs and it could draw a crowd and sell out without these big name draws. 
And more importantly, it actually was limiting us and our ability to really take advantage of the format, the in-person, where everybody was learning from everybody else. The most recent pivot slash revelation was a couple years ago, pre-pandemic. It was, it was an in-person camp. Vicki Robin came to speak and she gave an amazing speech about what to do with your life post-fire. When, when you don't have to work for a living, what is your passion? What's your calling? What's your new work when you don't need to work to make money? And I remember I went back up to my uh, bunk and I, I cried in bed because I kind of realized that Camp Mustache could have so much more potential than it was having because really what we were doing at the time was we were we were doing travel hacking and we were doing real estate investments. And, you know, like I said earlier in the show, a lot of that stuff is stuff you can find online. And while it does benefit from the personal touch and being able to do a live Q&A with people who are really deep into those topics, one thing that camp wasn't doing was helping people answer the question, what am I doing with my life? Uh, like you just did at, during the intro, you know, you, you came away from camp totally transformed. And I was crying because that was the experience I wanted to provide people. And I was just so emotional about the opportunity that the platform of Camp Mustache was presenting us. And so when we debriefed at the end of that year, I remember talking about like some pretty big changes we wanted to make and how we didn't want to reinvent it from scratch and how we were going to kind of like incrementally change these year by year. And, you know, the pandemic hit in the middle of that multi-year plan, but really what we were able to do was provide more space for people who were either about to become financially independent or who already were financially independent. And they were either considering going back to work because they were bored or, you know, they had crossed all the stuff off their bucket list, learned a language, traveled to X, Y, and Z countries. And they're kind of left back to where they were when they started. What am I doing with my life now? And what it turns out is if you get a bunch of those people in the room together over a weekend and they're kind of all, I don't want to say commiserating, but they just have this shared experience that is so rare in society because it's such a privileged problem. Hey, I don't have to work. What should I do? You know, you don't bump into people like that on the street uh, very often. People have so much passion and so much energy to find problems in the world and go about trying to solve them in their own little ways and take the skills that they learn during their careers. Like you as a communicator, you know, other people are great mediators or they're great fundraisers and apply those to the world's problems in, in new and creative ways. And that was really what we wanted to turn Camp Mustache into, in addition to being able to provide the nuts and bolts of travel hacking and real estate investment and the 4% rule. So we wanted people to come earlier in their journey and be able to learn the nuts and bolts. And we wanted to provide a forum for people who are later in their journey or perhaps already financially independent and figure out how they can leverage their time and their and their skills and what's unique about them to make a positive impact in the world. Kristen, talk a little bit about that financial mix. I was exactly in that position. Joe was talking about kind of getting towards financial independence. What do I do with my life? What percentage of people or how does it break down? Do you get a lots of people who are far away from financial independence and are just looking to get there versus a lot of people who are there or already there and trying to figure out what to do with their life. What's the financial mix like of the camp participants? I would say I was surprised at how many young people there are that come. I would say probably about, I would say about half and half, but the young people are just starting off on their journey. 
So it was nice to see them like learn from the people that have already fired. But I don't know, I'm still on my way to financial independence. And so sometimes I listen to the people that are already financially independent and they're like, I don't know what to do with my rest of my life. I'm like, what? You don't know what you want to do? I have like so many ideas. <laughs> Joe, talk about that magic a little bit. I mean, it really is interesting to get all of these people who believe in a central tenant, which is mustachianism, but are in very different places when it comes to their finances. What happens when you get all these people in the same room? Yeah, that's what the magic is. What you just said is the very different places. Everybody's story is unique. And I don't have a formula for it. I think that's why magic is a good descriptor for it. If we could bottle it, we we wouldn't need Camp Mustache. We would just like make an app that helps people figure out what to do with their lives. Actually, it might be an interesting idea, but it's just, it's over the course of the weekend. We always do it over Memorial Day. So it's a three-day weekend. And every year, even though it's a mix of some of the same returning folks and some new folks, you see the sort of like forming, storming, and norming process go on over the course of the weekend where folks are getting to know each other. The idea is we limit it to 50 attendees so that it is possible for every person to have a meaningful conversation with every of the 49 other people. That's granted, you would probably be talking to multiple people at once or over meals or while on a hike. And the idea is that you're meeting people, you're hearing where they are in their journey, what 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 unique things they're bringing, what challenges they're having. You know, people are very open and vulnerable about some of their you know unique situations that are preventing them from retiring as early as they would like. And I think once you've got a bunch of people who are really passionate about a topic that's so core to our you know our essence about which you know making money having enough to live on and then saying, you know, I don't need any more. I'm done. You know, a bunch of people who have that as a passion and they've chosen to optimize their lives around it. Yeah. Like you said, it's magic. That may be a non-answer to your question. Maybe it's also just a, a pitch to come to the next scam mustache and, and find out for yourself, for, for our listeners who've, who've never been to one yet. Kristen, talk a little bit about this idea of limiting to 50 while that is wonderful and I've been a participant and I've liked having so few people, I know that the followers of Mr. Money Mustache are growing by leaps and bounds, especially over the last five years. You guys do one event a year and I know that event sells out within minutes of going live up until at least the virtual world. Has there ever been talk of doing more events or making bigger events? Well, we are a nonprofit. So like I, I have a job and children, you know, and so does Joe. So we don't really have the bandwidth to host numerous events, but we are able to like kind of mentor other people to start their own camp mustache in their area. And that's actually happened. Like there's one in Canada and then somebody's starting one down in Australia. And then actually one of our attendees, Stephen Bauer, started camp mustache but then he changed it to campfire or camp pie yeah so if anyone wants to start one in their area then i really encourage it joe i feel like i have to ask you we've been talking about the tenants of mustachianism and the kind of people who come to camp mustache but i also feel like nature plays a role it was important to you to get out there and have that campy feeling as opposed to be 
in some, you know, in a hotel or in a convention center. Tell us about that decision. Yeah, we, we sort of stumbled on it. It wasn't an original requirement, like, oh, it's got to be, it's got to be natural. It was something we kind of wanted to showcase from the Pacific Northwest because we knew we would be drawing folks from all around the country and now all around the world. And we're just really proud of the natural environment of the Pacific Northwest. But we did stumble on this by accident. And what happens is if you've ever been uh, camping or on a, a backpacking trip, something happens when you kind of get out of urban areas in the civilized world. Time slows down a little and you slow down a little and you're able to reflect a little more and introspect a little more. And it just gives some breathing room in your head and in the conversations that you're having with others to just go a little deeper on topics and slow down a little and maybe make connections to different things in your life or something that's uh, part of your lived experience to something that's part of another person's lived experience that is harder to do in a hotel ballroom or in the hustle and bustle of a big city. And so we, we really, really lucked out to find an amazing lodge outside of Seattle and like in the foothills of the Cascade Mountains. And part of the event every year is a hike up a, a like smaller mountain in, in the Cascade Range, but still a significant hike. You know, it, it is very trying, especially on us old folks uh, on our knees and our legs. And it's kind of symbolic of a financial independence journey. You know, you're climbing and climbing and working and you've got others supporting you and different people are going at different paces and you're kind of grouping on to people who are going at the same pace as you and you're chatting along the way and you finally get to the top and you clear the final boulder and there is this amazing view, you know, stretching out of like the, 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 the rural areas surrounding Seattle and you, you're sweaty and you work so hard and you finally made it up to the top. And you get to have a snack and a drink and you celebrate with everybody, the people who made it up before you, the people who are making it up after you. And yeah, like I said, we just kind of stumbled on this metaphor for the financial independence journey. And that, that hike really changes people. We had someone who was you know, slower on the hike and you know, she kind of gave us a warning like, hey, I'm just going to take this slow. Don't worry about me. You don't have to go at my pace. It got to be dark. It was dinner time. Everyone was back. We did a head count, except for this one person. And we started to get worried. And so we sent out a, an informal search party to go make sure that she was okay. And so some people went back up the mountain to go and look for her. And lo and behold, there she was. She was totally fine. Just like she said, she was taking her time. And she got back down and we had like a, a welcome celebration committee waiting for her at the lodge. And the kitchen had already closed, but we saved her a plate of dinner. And she was so emotional. She was, she was crying in thanks and gratitude that we would think of her and, and check to make sure that she was okay and start climbing back up the mountain at dark to, to go and potentially rescue her because she had never really felt a community uh, of people like that who, who would like selflessly take care of someone who they had just met a couple days ago. Yeah, it's a really amazing metaphor because if you think about it, a lot of us out in the wild who are interested in financial independence very much feel like we're doing it alone. A lot of us have our online communities, but not necessarily in-person communities. So as you're describing this climb and people maybe going at a different pace, 
but all going together for the same goal and being in it together. I think it's a very apt metaphor. And that certainly has been my camp experience of that first moment of feeling together with other people in the same position as me. I just wanted to add that you get out of the camp experience more, you get more out of it when you form those connections with people, get people's email address, friend them on Facebook, even with this virtual event that we're having to have this year, when you're in the breakout rooms, make sure that you get people's contact information because I'm a kind of a shy, quiet person. And it took me a couple years to really feel comfortable to like contact people after the event. But then once I started to, like, I have like a book club with a friend I met there once a week. I'm planning a trip to Italy with a group of people. Like you just really start to um, make connections that way. Actually, I met Alma, who's helping us organize the event at a different camp I went to. So don't be shy. Get that contact information. In the first half of the show, Kristen and Joe talk about how Camp Mustache came to be. After the break, we discuss what to expect this year. But first... All right, so most of us know the bad news already. If you were using Mint as a budgeting app, it has shut down. But the good news is there's something better, and it's called Monarch Money. I started using Monarch Money myself about five months ago, and I knew immediately that I liked it more than any other budgeting app I had ever used. For one, it focuses on collaboration. This is easy to share with your spouse, your partner, your financial advisor, and it's aspirational. Not only can you look at your current budget, but what do you want to buy? What do you want your goals to be? You can focus on those in Monarch Money. It's the next generation of personal finance apps. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Furthermore, you can create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com earn. Again, that's monarchmoney.com E-A-R-N. What I like about this app is it's intuitive, easy to use, quick to sign on. It's collaborative, as we talked about. It's customizable. The idea is you can use this app the way you want to use it. And the reason why is the Monarch Money team is customer focused. They are focusing on you, me, and all the other people who want to use this app to live a better financial life. After trying out Monarch Money for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. Today, I'm introducing you to a better way to money. We've all heard of credit unions, but do you know why credit unions are the best financial partner for you? Unlike other financial institutions, credit union members are owners, so profits are reinvested in you. This means better rates, better service, low or no fees, and those dreams you're chasing, well, they can become a reality a lot faster. The best part? There's a credit union for everyone, and membership lasts a lifetime. Federally insured, digitally connected, join the millions of Americans already getting more from their money. Visit yourmoneyfurther.com today to find a credit union for you. Again, that's yourmoneyfurther.com. 
Joe, as we've just described all this wonderful naturalism and seeing each other in person, life has obviously intervened over the last few years. Being in the midst of a pandemic, last year's event was virtual, as was as will be this year's. Talk to me about the changes that a virtual conference has brought to Camp Mustache, some of the highs and lows. Yeah, I was initially really skeptical of a virtual version because like I was talking about, some of the magic is getting a bunch of people in the same room, but it turns out I was wrong to be skeptical. There are pros and cons of doing it virtually. The, the biggest advantage is the accessibility. We've talked about our ticket limit of 50 people. Well, that went out the window for the first virtual event last year. You know, People were coming and going, but I think we maxed out at around 500. And so you know, that's 10x. That would be like running 10 camp mustaches, which we would just physically be unable to do. Also, if you don't have the means or the ability to get to the Pacific Northwest, you know, you just open up your computer and you can come to a camp mustache. So I'm really happy the way that we've been able to broaden the audience and, and make this more accessible to a larger group. But not just the mass appeal, I feel like the breakout sessions we had where we just grouped people into random breakout rooms over Zoom. And, you know, like Kristen said, it's the opportunity to sort of make this mass audience a little more personal and get to know uh, a few other people better and exchange contact information. And, you know, hopefully there's a spark and and you make a new friend or, you know, a compatriot on, on your financial independence journey. So we were able to capture a little bit of what makes the in-person camp mustache so great and broaden it to a mass appeal. And, and, and also like I could see it being something we could do more often. It just, it has a smaller footprint, you know, both environmentally, financially, and in terms of planning so that we don't, we wouldn't necessarily need to limit it to once a year. It's just, we've just done it once a year virtually because, you know, like Kristen said, this is like something we do in our spare time with our other obligations. But just like the in-person one, the, how we've helped others start new in-person camp mustaches, I could see a future where other people are helping to bring more, more frequent virtual camp mustaches to, into fruition. And we'd be happy to support that as well. In addition, we've had some ideas about like a year-long virtual community where there's still a big yearly event whether it's virtual and or in person, that is sort of a, a culminating yearly event. But throughout the year, there are smaller events, whether they be centered around, you know, book clubs or hikes or any other different types of passion that could be self-organized or community-led, community-organized. And that would provide this continuity throughout the year between the big events. Yeah, Kristen, it's really been some proof of concept to see that we can survive in a virtual world and that even though we are not together face-to-face the way we've preferred to be in the past, we can still glean something from this type of get-together. It's an intriguing idea, this ability to maybe be part of a year-long camp mustache, which culminates in a big meeting of everyone together. I wonder how that would change the feeling of the in-person meeting, maybe knowing some of the participants before you got there. When Alma joined our planning group, she brought up the idea of having a meetup page. And so we're going to be launching that in the next couple of weeks. It's going to have a different name. We're still playing around with the name. So we'll let you guys know at the event. But There's just something different about connecting with someone in person instead of virtual. Like 
you can be a little more spontaneous. Like, hey, let's go and make a funny like prank on somebody or whatever at a camp that you can't really do over Zoom. <laughs> We're not as good at Zoom pranks, I think. <laughs> Joe, so you've kind of had this view of the community over the last eight years, watching event after event. Has mustachianism changed? Has it evolved? Is it different today than it was eight years ago? Mm, yes and no. The core tenets are the same. The ones I described earlier, conscious spending, conscious savings, you know, a, a math-based focus on uh, financial planning, environmentalism, minimalism. Most of that is mostly unchanged. And in fact, if you go back and read uh, the Mr. Money Mustache blog, you'll see that most of what he's doing is, is expounding on the same facts or the, the same points. And I'm not saying that to diss his content. It's still all great content. And uh, usually he has some new take on things or some some revelation to add, but the core values haven't changed. I think what's changed is the reach and the tools. You know, technology has improved, the community has grown, the the community has diversified, and I think that's a really important point. When I got into mustachianism, most other mustachians looked like me. I'm a white male who works in the tech sector, and it was kind of very very much people like me. So in a sense, that made it easy for me to get into because I could relate to these folks. But it also was sort of a privileged club of people who were high earners, who you know had already had a, a, a fairly easy life real relative to the, the history of humankind. And I think what's happened is as the community has grown, not only has the diversity grown just in terms of the, the numbers of people, but the voices and the platforms given to folks who don't look like me or didn't uh, have a lived experience that I had, ha have had more uphill battles or hurdles to jump over, yet have still managed to maintain a high savings rate or you know, find time to coach or mentor others. And how much more amazing is that? Someone who's playing life on hard difficulty mode and is able to maintain a, a high savings rate, you know, relative to, to someone like me who has had a relatively smooth life. And I think that benefits the entire community because we get to hear more voices. We get to hear more ways that uh, people can do the, the financial independence journey. And the more different sources we have to draw from, especially people who don't have the same lived experience as us, the more rich the journey is going to be because we're going to know that more different people can you know, attain this milestone of financial independence. And there's a lot of different ways to do it. And it's going to look different for everybody. So I think that's been the biggest, that's been the biggest change, the biggest positive change of mustachianism and fire in general over the past five years or so. Kristen, I was about to say, I've noticed a difference outside of mustachianism the financial independence retire early movement is starting to move away from retire early. In fact, a lot of people really don't use the RE portion anymore. There's a lot of talk about financial independence, but not necessarily leaving a job. Is that the same for the mustachian community? Do you think there's still a press to, to leave the, your job at an early age or is that becoming less important? I don't know. I, I think there's so many different types of financial independence groups that you could identify with because it's really grown since Mr. Money Mustache. So I don't know. I just feel like it's all kind of a big collection. 
Joe, any thoughts? Is retire early still kind of big on the list of to-dos of of the mustachian groups you're interacting with? Yeah, like Kristen said, I don't I don't think I could point to any trends, and I won't claim to speak for mustachianism as a whole. I will reiterate what I said earlier, though. I think the the lack of retire early and fire in in practice goes back to this idea of what am I going to do with my life? I I meet so many people who are financially independent, yet they either haven't retired or they retired and got bored and went back to work, or they're not as happy as they thought they were going to be post FI. It looked like this amazing milestone that was going to change everything about their lives. And one of the things I've learned from, from listening to so many of these people is that it sounds so cliche because it's true. You know, it's about the journey and not the destination. Nothing really changes about you as a person when you reach financial independence, except that you don't have to work for a living. And that is a big, a big change. I don't want to like understate what a big change that is in someone's life, but it's, it's not like a, a switch flips that automatically makes you happy. Happiness is sort of like a condition that, that occurs when some magical recipe of things are, things are, are falling in place in your life. And that just doesn't happen on, on the day you quit your job. You know, it needs to be something you have like optimized your life for ahead of time. Uh, otherwise, you're going to find yourself disappointed when, when you retire early. And so my, my hunch, uh, I don't have anything to back this up. My hunch is that the trend of people shying away from retire early is it's almost, I want to say it's like fear-based or anxiety-based of just like, now we have a, a decade of, of fire you know, data points. And we see all these people who have done both the FI and the RE. And the RE part was unfulfilling for some reason. And it's going to be different to everybody, but it sort of has this commonality of just these expectations that I'm just going to automatically be happy. And you, you have to work for it to be happy. And so I think people look at that and they say, well, you know what? I'm happy enough at my job. I can quit in the future if I want to. This gives me the opportunity to take a lower paying job or, you know, a job at a nonprofit or work part time. And so, you know, I've earned all this flexibility, but for me to completely step away from this thing, this job, this thing that is such a big part of my identity, that's kind of scary. I don't blame people uh, for being shy to do that because it just leaves this big void and you have to face, you have to face who you are. And yeah, if, if, if that's not appealing to you, it's going to make you really unhappy. And that, that's kind of what I see. And that's one of the things that Camp Mustache is, is there for. It's people like that. They come and, and they, they want to talk about, they want to talk about this. And it's a real problem. It's a, it's a privileged problem to have, but it still is a real problem. If you're unhappy with your life, to be able to talk to other people who are in the same boat as you. Yeah, what I love about events like Camp Mustache is these really are big tent events, which means that you get a mix of people who have lots of different opinions about how to live a quote unquote good life. And they're very accepting and empathic about your choices. And I've always found that to be incredibly comforting. Kristen, I would be remiss in ending this podcast without actually talking about structurally what Camp Mustache is going to be this year. Can you tell us a little bit about the schedule? What what events, what get-togethers are going to be happening virtually? Who's going to be there? Tell us a little bit about what's scheduled for the event. Okay, so it's going to be two half days. So on Saturday, it's going to be kind of in the late afternoon. And we have J.L. Collins. He's going to talk about real estate in, or not real estate investing. Sorry. <laughs> He's going to be talking about investing. 
And then we're going to have a breakout session. And then that means like you'll be put in a little room with about six to 10 people and you can meet each other and hear about everybody's journey. And then the next day, we're going to have a real estate panel with a bunch of inspiring women. And you're going to be... Um, I'm going to be moderating that panel. That yeah, is correct. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm really excited about another panel we're having. It's people that have retired. And there's four interesting people that have all had different life experiences happen. And we're going to learn more about what it's like to be on the other side. And then a couple breakout sessions that day. And then we're doing something new. So we're going to have a half hour event at the end of the day where we're going to have kids join. And we're going to do talk a little bit about money with kids. And I'll be doing that with them. I'm a speech therapist and I work with children. So I'll make it fun. We're going to play a game while we talk about money. The goal of that is to help kids become more comfortable talking about money with their friends and family. And I think that is very unique to this virtual atmosphere is you can have a very grown-up two days worth of events and then just pull the kids in virtually for that portion, whereas doing something like that in person would be very difficult. So we always talk about the drawbacks of the fact that we're in this kind of post-pandemic place. But one of the positives of the virtual setting is having events or having at least parts of your event being that way. So Joe, if people are out there listening and want to get involved with Camp Mustache are no more, where's the best place for them to go and learn about it? The best way to reach us is on Facebook. Uh, if you search for Camp Mustache or you go to facebook.com slash we love Camp Mustache, you'll find information. We're simplifying it this year. You go to the website on the Facebook page. You see the link. There's no sign up. There's an optional donation you can make to a COVID relief fund. But that's just a bonus. It's not related to sign up. So compared to last year, sign up is a lot easier. Well, all I can say is these events are life changing. And today is April 12th. The event is on April 17th and 18th, correct? That's a Saturday and Sunday. Is sign up still available? This year, we're actually going to simplify things. We're not having a sign up. We're just, you're just going to go to the Facebook page and click on the link and that'll get you to the room that you'll be in. (laughs) I've been to a number of them. And every time, even in this state where I talk about personal finance for a living, even now, I still come out with new relationships, new information and new ideas. This virtual world has opened up at least this year's event to many, many more people. So I really encourage you to sign up to meet a lot of fun people and talk about important things. This has been the Earn and Invest podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, I'd like to thank Joe Goldberg and Kristen Heflin. That's a wrap. Speaking of Camp Mustache, I will be leading a panel on real estate for Camp Mustache live on the 17th of this month. That's coming up next week, and I'm excited to talk to that panel about real estate and what role it plays in financial independence. When I think about the king of real estate and financial independence, of course, I think of my friend Coach Carson. Chad Carson runs the Real Estate and Financial Independence podcast. And on his show, he talks about not only the tips and tricks to use real estate towards your financial independence goals, 
but he also basically has guests on the show. They provide real-life examples and case studies and how you can become financially independent through real estate. It's a great show, and you should check it out at CoachCarson.com. Again, that's CoachCarson.com. Check out the Real Estate and Financial Independence Podcast. You won't be sorry. Welcome, everybody, back to the community segment of the Earn and Invest Podcast. If you haven't checked us out on Facebook, you should. Facebook.com slash group slash Earn and Invest. That is where we talk about everything that you hear, not only on the podcast, but the conversation continues with you, the community. Check us out. We often talk about personal finance. We talk about the Financial Independence Retire Early community. We talk about economic policy and sometimes even politics. It's also where I get a lot of the information for my earner and investor segment. Today, I want to talk about an article that I posted about retirement savings. It was in the Apple News, and it asked the question, at what age should you stop saving for retirement? This was actually in MarketWatch. It was featured on Apple News. I think this is a really important question and one I've been struggling with a lot lately. When do you stop? Stop retirement savings. Now, if you are currently working and you have a W 2 job and your employer contributes to your 401k with a match, then it makes sense to keep contributing, right? Because you're getting free money and we never want to turn down free money. But if you are not still in a W 2 job or if you are not getting that match, is there a time when you should stop your retirement savings? This whole conversation is predicated on this idea that you'll probably be paying more taxes now than you will in retirement, right? So the idea is you're deferring taxes now because you are currently working and hopefully making more money than you will at any other time in your career. So why pay those taxes now? Instead, invest that money, let it compound in those investments over many, many years without the drag of taxes. And then, of course, you will be taxed when you either are required to take out your required minimum distributions or you start taking distributions after the age of 72, and hopefully your tax bracket will be less then. However, for a lot of people saving up for financial independence, their retirement accounts may be rather large. So their tax bracket in retirement may be high because of required minimum distributions. So it's not always as clear as we think. Will our tax rate be higher now or will it be higher in retirement? This is complicated by the fact also that legislation changes. So right now we are being taxed at historically low rates. Uh, there are many times in history where we've been taxed at much greater rates as our income increases. It is quite possible that by the time we retire, the tax rates will be much higher and so it might make sense to take the tax hit now, not put your money in retirement savings, and then just put it in a taxable account in a brokerage firm. I don't know the right answers to this. It is a complicated question, and I am certainly facing it right now. Let's see what some of you all have said on our Facebook post. Gwen said, I stopped aggressively saving at 29. The power of compound interest should carry me well to well more than I need. Now, this is a really interesting idea. Some people have called this Coast Fi. So what it means is you get your retirement savings up to the point where if you calculate compounding over the next 20 or 30 years at, let's say, a 6 or 7% rate, that will be enough money to reach your financial independence number. Some would argue that if you reach that Coast Fi number, 
you don't really need to save any more for retirement. You can take everything else and either spend it or at least put it in a taxable account where you won't be taking such a tax hit when you decide to use it, even when you are of retirement age. Jolene wrote, we are in our late 40s and after leaving W-2 careers recently, we will keep saving in HSAs, Roths, but focus our efforts on Roth conversions so that we can keep more of what we saved. There are a few big ideas here. HSAs or health savings accounts are amazing. And the reason why is money is not taxed going in. The money grows tax deferred. And then if you take that money out for medical reasons, it's not taxed then either. So it is a triple tax deferral that is a unicorn in personal finance. So it makes sense if you have the ability to get an HSA, you do. Roth IRAs are IRAs in which you pay the tax now and put the money into the Roth and then it grows tax deferred and it can be withdrawn tax deferred. So there are a lot of people who want to be able to figure out and minimize their taxes in retirement. So a great way to do that is to start moving your money from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. The problem with doing that is you may have to pay tax on that money when you move it, depending on what tax bracket you're in. That discussion is above this conversation, but to something to think about. Chris wrote, I'm torn. I probably have enough saved for retirement if I added nothing for the next 20 years, but my employer matches 50%, so hard to stop maxing out the 401k. And boy, Chris, do I agree with you on this one. If you are getting a bonus, if you're getting free money, there is no reason not to put the money in that 401k. David Boyer says, great question. I am financially independent unless circumstances change. Definitely coast fi, but then there is something totally different about being an able-bodied individual and allowing the net worth line to go down at all. It's a good feeling, and I think that may be why people with high net worths or even those who have reached financial independence and have every likelihood of having living expenses for the rest of their lives at least continue doing enough to keep the net worth trend line up and to the right. I see a blog post coming on this. Yeah, it, it again, it's a tough question. Do you keep saving A and do you keep saving in retirement accounts? Our friend Frank writes, when my current expenses exceed my current income. But the headline implies a false premise, which is that your work life has an on-off switch that can never be turned on again after you turn it off. These are great points. And I take them with me as I make this own decision for myself. Do I continue in the retirement savings or is it time to put my money in a taxable account? And therefore, when I get to retirement age, I know exactly what my tax burden will be because it will only be on capital gains. The truth of the matter is there probably is no right answer. The answer is yes, you should continue saving, whether that is in retirement accounts or non-retirement accounts. Saving either way puts you ahead of the game. When we get to these very specific conversations about whether retirement savings or no retirement savings, whether will we be taxed more now or later, this is really high-level advanced personal finance. And the truth of the matter is you probably will be just fine regardless of which one you do. It is a luxury to decide where you want to put all these savings. The fact that you have these savings in the first place and that you are going to actively invest them, whether in retirement accounts or not, is actually the main point. Sometimes good has to be better than best. And in this case, saving it all is good. I hope we in this community can keep remembering that as I do. Sometimes good is good enough 
keep saving. If you get matched in your retirement account, great. If you don't, then it's up to you, but you're not going to lose either way. is like the ocean. It's alluring, but it's also full of deadly creatures that can shred you to pieces. It becomes kind of like a Game of Thrones political arena where everyone's trying to murder you to get your job. My family doesn't come from corporate background, so I didn't have any sort of guidance in that. This is not your typical work podcast. Sometimes you need to be empathetic, and then there are times that you ask for input, but you don't really give a shit. <laughs> Listen to the Ambie Award-nominated podcast, Surfing Corporate. Stretch opportunity. What is this, yoga class? Get out of here. You care about your money. Of course you do. So why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts.